Nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Money Beat podcast. Paul and Steve here in the studio in New York City. Uh, joined today by Wall Street Journal reporter Ben Eisen, who everybody, uh, podcasters, loyal podcasters know well. Ben, how are you? Good. How are you, Paul? And also joining us in the studio, Joseph Brusuelis is chief economist at RSM. And you've been on, but uh, not in a while, Joe. So welcome back. Glad to have you. Well, thank you. And w- look, what we're going to talk about today is Hurricane Harvey and obviously the, the human toll, the, the catastrophe, all those things are are paramount and important. And Houston and Texas are still dealing with this. And, and we feel very sympathetic towards what's going on down there. But we also we have to talk about the economic fallout and what it is going to mean from that perspective. So that is that's what we do here. We're a business you know, publication, business focused publication. That's what we're going to talk about. And that's why we wanted to bring in Joe today, because, Joe, you, you started crunching the numbers. And I mean, obviously, we don't know what the, the final impact of this storm is going to be. We know it's awful, but we don't know exactly what it's going to be. But we're starting to get an idea of, of what the economic damage is going to look like. Yeah, I think the, the good starting point is it's going to be worse than what we think. Mm-hmm. Our yeah. initial estimates are for every week that Houston shut down in the greater Houston metroplex along the Gulf Coast into Louisiana, you're going to shave about one-tenth of a percent off GDP activity hmm. in the current quarter. National GDP. National yeah. GDP. So right now I've got two per, uh, two-tenths of a percent penciled in. Now, if some of what's coming out of the official sector proves true, parts of Houston are going to be underwater for a month, there's going to be problems clearing the shipping channel, well, that's going to, that's going to change, Right. right? Um, so right now I've got 24 billion economic losses, or greater than 24 billion, and another 46 billion in structural damages. So what we're going to get is a situation that's going to require a pretty potent policy response out of the U.S. Congress, which, by the way, only has 12 calendar days on the docket before actually we run out of money. Yeah. So th- there's going to be some heavy lifting that goes on starting uh, September 5th, and things are going to get very contentious, as we all know here in the Northeast, after <laughs> Hurricane Sandy. Right. It took those guys 65 days to get to it. Wow. Congress um, to do a bill. That's right. Yeah. And I don't think we're going to see anything different from that here. I think we're going to see lots of extenders and con- uh, current resolutions just to keep things going until they can get their ducks in a row in order to do uh, the hurricane relief and then all of the other things that they're going to have to do um, through the remainder of the year before they get to tax reform. Wow. wow. And, and when we think about sort of some of the ripple effects throughout the economy, I mean, you have the Houston and Corpus Christi ports, which, as you noted the other day, uh, they they handle a lot of the wheat. Um, yep, 25% of wheat. And, yep. then you, and then, of course, you've got the, the energy, a lot of energy production shutting down. I mean, how do you think about, um, you know, how this will ripple sort of beyond the Gulf Coast? Okay, well, a couple things. First, we, we, this is the this should be the starting of, of talking points up on Hill. The petrochemical capital of the United States has been effectively shut down. Hmm. Right? Right, mm-hmm. right. As mm-hmm. of this morning, 23% of all oil refining capacity is shut down. That's exactly the same amount that was shut down um, caused by the Hurricane Katrina and Rita combined. And, of course, you know, the size of the, of the sector is somewhat right. different. So, actually, it's in real terms a lot bigger. 
Okay. That's going to cause gasoline prices to go up. In Texas alone, they're going to see 20 to 30 percent um, increases as soon as they can get their cars back moving and get, start going to work. Wow. Yeah, the roads are pretty impassable right, right. now. Um, on a national basis, this is important. Wildly. Here, you know, we're sitting here in midtown Manhattan. I live mm-hmm. just a few blocks away. Most of the gasoline we get in the Northeast, Washington to Boston, comes from Houston. We're going to see a sharp increase in gasoline prices starting over the much-traveled Labor Day holiday weekend. Mm. So you're going to see that hit. Not only going to see it hit, we're already starting to see gasoline prices go up in Europe and Latin America because we're going to have to import gasoline to make up for the shortages over the next month or two before things are really back to normal. Thank God for free trade, everyone. Also, I mean, let's talk. Can you talk about how, you know, this is going to also impact the shale industry, employment there? I mean, how is this going to pop up in sort of the economic data that we're going to start seeing rolling out over the next month or so? Okay, so you're going to start seeing it in total vehicle sales on Friday afternoon. It'll be a very light impact. But over the next two months, it'll be heavy. And then it will reverse during the following two months, right? And when you, and when you say that, you mean you would get a, a pop-up in vehicle no, sales? No, a, neg- a negative. No, it's going to be a negative impact. Just because the that part of the... the yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, and then we'll see more of a negative impact during the October sales. And then in November and December, you're going to see a big pickup. To be blunt, and this is one of these things that's rarely difficult to talk about, and our office in Houston is shut down. We have very <laughs> dear employees that have been misplaced. Yeah. So I say this with a heavy heart. This is going to help the U.S. auto industry because they've got a, a big glut of cars right. and trucks that they're not selling. So those once those losses are written off, once the highways are open, inventory will be going towards Houston to meet demand for, for new automobiles. And that's going to be sufficient for a long are pretty large for a long period of time. Yeah, it's, it's and and that and actually, like I think, also five hundred thousand cars are estimated to be scrapped. That's right, um, because of this storm, which would be, I think, you know, roughly in the like four to six percent of the mm-hmm. total number that was scrapped last year. Okay, and let's get to the direct human cost because yeah. we're going to see this starting the week ending September 9th and then September sixteenth in the initial jobless claims data. So Thursday morning, starting a week right. from from tomorrow. You're going to see initial claims surge, similar to what you saw associated with after Hurricane Katrina and Rita. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to move off trend, right? It just means there's going to be some significant deviation over the next several months. Will it really be that soon? Because, I mean, I would imagine a lot of people who have been displaced by the storm right now couldn't even file for unemployment. Right. Well, because the, the, the human diaspora in Houston... The movement of hundreds of thousands of people mm-hmm. started last Wednesday and Thursday. Okay. A lot of those people won't have filed for unemployment this week or in that week, which will be reported tomorrow morning. I wouldn't be surprised if unemployment claims drop tomorrow morning in an outsized fashion, and then Thursday you'll see morning. it. Remember, yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of filing for unemployment, thank God most of us aren't doing that right now. Right. You can do it on your phone. You can do it via the internet and mobile. And people who are on the move will try to do mm-hmm. that best they can. But the data is going to be very choppy and you're going to see a pretty significant increase in coming weeks. And then it will begin to slowly dissipate. And probably over the next three to five months, we'll move back towards trend. 
I mean, it seems like that gets at something um, broader here, which is that, you know, unfortunately, we've seen this a number of times before. We had Hurricane Katrina. We had uh, we had Superstorm Sandy. We've had a number of other hurricanes uh, and adverse weather effects recently. And you see it seems sort of like a, um, a similar thing plays out each of these times that you have sort of a, a, a short-term drag on the economy in sort of what you were talking about with vehicle sales and jobless claims and all this. And then... And then you have sort of a rebuilding and and um, th- sort of effort that that then kind of boosts the economy. So so when would you? I mean, if you are expecting that to sort of take place, when when would that you know come okay, into play? Okay, so we're going to see uh, at least a two tenths of a percent drag in the current quarter, mm-hmm. right? And then we will start to see the boost in overall acti- activity in the fourth quarter and then first quarter of next year. And let's be honest, because I'm not I'm an economist, right? Don't confuse an an increase in economic activity with an actual increase in overall welfare. Mm -hmm. There are lots of buildings and structures that have been paid for that are going to be ripped apart and destroyed and then have to be rebuilt. Mm -hmm. That's a direct loss of overall wealth. We're going to be redirecting activity that would be going elsewhere to Houston. You're also going to see a pretty big increase in the annual operating deficits in 2017 and 2018 out of the federal government. It's very important to remember we spent $120 billion in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina building New Orleans, which is a fairly small city. Right. Houston's the fourth largest yeah. city in the United States. It has probably right around the end of 2017, 2017 a GDP of $530 billion. That makes it bigger than Sweden's economy. Right, right. Much of that city is going to have to be rebuilt. We simply aren't going to leave the fourth largest city, hanging to dry on the vine mm-hmm. and die. That's simply not going to happen. And that's not going to happen overnight either, the rebuilding. No, I mean, it's going to go on for years. Lot. Yeah, right. The, I give uh, the administration a gentleman C on its response for, but I give FEMA an A+. Plus. Hmm. Okay. Why? The, the not that of, I disagree, but why? Because the head of FEMA last Friday when it became apparent that we were going to have a catastrophe said FEMA is going to be on the ground for years. And that's the most truthful statement I've yeah. heard or seen during any of this catastrophe. And I give them all the credit they have, and I hope that they're fully staffed and fully funded. And we can talk about funding that was left. Yeah, let's let's talk. Let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll talk about that. We are talking to Jos- Joseph Brusuelis from RSM, talking about Harvey and the effect on Texas and the U.S. economy. You are listening to Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Rapid expansion? We're ready. Worker shortage? We're good. Anything can change the world of work. A celebrity buys the company. Depends on who it is. But relax, we've got ADP. From HR to payroll, ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to take on the next anything. Follow the Wall Street Journal on your favorite podcast app. Search WSJ on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and any Amazon Alexa device. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. Welcome back to Money Beat. Paul and Stephen here in the studio in New York City with Wall Street Journal reporter Ben Eisen and Joseph Brusuelis, chief economist at RSM, talking about Hurricane Harvey, uh, the devastation in Houston and the effect on the economy. And uh, Joe, you had mentioned that that FEMA stated up front in the last time you said that they, you know, they said, "Look, we're going to be on the ground for years," which is obviously true. Which means the the government is going to have to be involved in this for years as well. And, and I think, Grosser, that's something we we really kind of dig into a little bit here. Well, yeah, I mean, 
Congress has a packed legislative schedule uh, come September. I mean, you have uh, funding the government, you have the debt ceiling, and now you have, you know, passing hopefully disaster relief for Houston. How, as you pointed out earlier, you know, Sandy took 65 days. You know, what are you expecting out of Congress, given they have so much on their plate? Okay, so on September 6th, we're going to publish an article on RSM's Real Economy product called 12 Days in September, right? So this is what has to happen during the 12 days of September. That the government still has funding. To ensure funding beyond September 29th, according to the Treasury Secretary, I think they can go on to about October 14th Mm -hmm. is the real drop-dead date. Okay, they have to agree upon uh, a method of lifting the U.S. debt ceiling. That's first and foremost. While they're doing that, they have to reauthorize the Children's Health Insurance Program, which covers children's health in a different way across many states. In some states, it covers women's pregnancy. They have to reauthorize the Flood National Flood Insurance Program. Timely. Timely, right? Yeah, and if you listen to Jeb Henserling, who's the head of the Financial Service Committee, even though he's from Texas, he's not having it. Right. He wants major, major, major reform, reforms, yeah. wow. right, including, including increasing rates and, and other things that you would think would be, well, rather ill-timed politically. And so it, we'll see how that goes. Right. And yeah. he also came out, I think, yesterday, the day before and said, no, I'm not pulling back on reform just to reauthorize it. I'm going to push forward. We're trying to get reform done. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Around 10 o'clock in the morning, he said that by 2 p.m., the Republicans and Democrats in the Senate just said, no, we're going a different way. <laughs> wow. So yeah. we'll see how that yeah. goes. The federal uh, – the FAA is going to have to be reauthorized. And, of course, we have to arrive at a fiscal year 2018 budget. Mm-hmm. Okay. All that has to happen in addition to a special supplemental to deal with the hurricane and its economic aftermath. All that has to happen before they can actually pivot and then do – Tax reform, which the Republicans are telling us down in Washington, they're going to use reconciliation as the vehicle. Okay. That's a lot that is under a, a, any not, circumstances, right. right? So my sense is we could have two budget shutdowns this year, one in late September, early October, and then another one in December. That's very, very possible. Second, there's not going to be unanimous disagreement within the Republican caucus on what to do about um, Houston. The Republican Party no longer exists as a single entity. It's actually three factions. And we should just start talking about it as three individual factions. Hmm. And then there's the Democrats. And they're going to have their own um, things to say about this. And then there's things like building the wall or paying for it. There's just so much there. Now, here's what's important right now today. At the start of this week, the um, the Department of Homeland Security had $3 billion on hand to deal with this. We called down to Washington yesterday. That's almost gone. In, almost gone. In, they had $3 billion. It's, it's, it's Wednesday, folks, that we're talking. Yes. So you're talking in a couple of days. In a couple of days, it just disappeared. Wow. The National Flood Insurance Program had $5.3 billion on hand to respond to flood disasters, $1.6 billion, or $1.7 billion, which had already been dedicated. So they had roughly about $3.5 billion on hand. One can probably guess by the end of this week. That'll be gone. That'll be gone. Wow. Okay, so not only that, the National Flood Insurance Program has a deficit of roughly about $24.5 billion. So that needs to be funded before we start addressing Houston. Wow. Okay, so we've got some real work. You know, this is the time for the adults to step forward in the room. We need to have an adult conversation about what happened, 
how we're going to prevent it, how we're going to finance the rebuilding and reconstruction of the fourth largest economy, excuse me, the fourth largest city in the United States. Simply saying that we're not going to do this is a non-starter. Yeah. And, and how optimistic are you that, that uh, this group can sort of paper over their differences, you know, no, nothing like a, a human tragedy to, to, to really get people to kind of come to the table and start talking? Or or is that not the case? Well, you know, Ben, that's the $64,000 yeah, question right. of the day. Thanks for <laughs> asking it. Um, I spent way too much time in Washington, more than, ever, more than I ever wanted to or intended to. And I don't have a lot of confidence today that this group's going to get all of this done by the middle of October. This is going to spill into over into Christmas. Later in the year, We again, we could have two budget shut, government shutdowns wow. over the debt ceiling and then the budget later this year. And we're going to have a very difficult conversation in this country. We're going to have a lot of difficult conversations for a long time. But the one that's going to happen over the next several months is if we're going to provide somewhere between, let's just say, $65 billion and $100 billion in direct reconstruction funds that are going to be deficit financed because they're going to be deficit financed. Sure. They have to be. How will Houston change its development model with respect to zoning? Let's just be open and honest about this, okay? Apart from climate change, right? What we're seeing is a function of too much concrete filling in wetlands, which would have absorbed a lot of the water. If the American people are going to give upwards of $100 billion to Houston to rebuild, there's going to be some strings attached to this, right? Houston's not going to like this. It's not in the DNA of Houston, and it's not in the DNA of Texas. But we're going to have to have this very difficult conversation because we've had six major storms that have caused significant damage over the past 10 years, Right. So this is just one difficult conversation. Right. The other is going to be, okay, we're going to deficit finance this, are we? Or are we going to demand offsets and spending mm-hmm. at a time when we're going to be talking about enormous tax cuts? The president's in Missouri today, right? He's going to talk about reducing the corporate income tax from 25, excuse me, 35 to 25 percent roughly, let's say. For every point that you reduce the corporate income tax, right? You have to create $110 billion in revenues to make it to revenue neutral, it. to offset it. Jeez. So we're talking over a trillion dollars here. What's on the plate right now? Rolling back the mortgage interest deduction, mm-hmm. capping that at half a million, and then eliminating state and local deductions, um, around, tax deductions around the country. Okay, that's just for starters. If you look at that financially, economically, okay, that's sort of plausible, right? But once you start to look at it policy-wise... Well, you're, you're essentially targeting California, Illinois, and New York. Right. I mean, politically, yeah. that's a hard sell. That's a hard sell. There's going to be some significant right. opposition on both sides of the aisle because what you don't want is to do something that results in basically people come becoming internal tax exiles and creating you know LLPs in Delaware or everyone moves to Florida, right, mm-hmm. or Washington, right, or New Hampshire. So – this is a lot. I mean, this is a lot. And under any circumstances, but given the context of what we're talking about today, this is just a low probability event that's going to take so a number how, of months to, to I mean, have happen. This isn't going to – maybe I shouldn't even say this statement. <laughs> like, this isn't going to destroy the country, no matter how ugly it is politically, no matter how long it takes to – so, I mean, we're, yeah. try to look – let's, let's try to – let's look one year ahead. 
I know one year ahead is hard. Where, where do you see this whole thing in, in one year? How about that? Rather it's, than 12 days. It's going to deeply contrast the images that we've seen over the past several days. Good, good decent people mm-hmm. rescuing their neighbors because they have no expectation that the government can get it together to do that. So self-help has reigned, and that's a good thing. Right. These are real heroes we're seeing. Yeah. You know, I mean, this, this isn't this isn't just, you know, putting out your flat boat and going over and getting the name. Okay. That's not what this is. Yeah. This is ex-military. These are ex-military people, people who are off duty police and fire officers. They're becoming effective first responders. And, and they're we, putting their lives. On they're the putting line. their lives on the literally line just for their fellow yes. human beings. Right? right. OK. A year from now, we're going to be each other's throats over this is essentially what this <laughs> so is going to be. And that's going to be the contrast. In New York, we know we know what this means. We all lived in the aftermath of, of 9-11, which we don't talk about for a lot of reasons. Um, but it's 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 probably instructive with with respect to where we're going uh, with, res- you know, with respect to the policy discussion. Well, and, and that's not politics, just policy. Once it gets into politics, it gets as, really divisive. As horrible as 9-11 was, it was a different environment. That's right. I was just... Politically, economically, it was just a different environment. Yeah, the federal government was running a surplus. We had right. wherewithal to respond to this. Right. The country was very unified about this. Um, and then it just disintegrated very quickly within about 6 to 12 yeah. months. Here we're in a very different situation. We're running large annual operating deficits. Of course, the divisiveness around the president and his mm-hmm. his rhetoric, his tweets, and his policy. And really the ideological differences inside the, the governing party right now. That, you know, the Freedom Caucus is just going to look at this differently than the Paul Ryan Republicans or the Trumpistas. Mm -hmm. And then the Democrats are going to exert exert a powerful political price via spending, via financing of things in order to lift the debt ceiling, in order to arrive at a FY 2018 budget. And make no mistake, Mr. Ryan and Mr. McConnell are going to cut deals with Mr. Schumer and Ms. Pelosi. That's how that's the end game here. Yeah. It's so, just what, what's that end game look like in the short term next few months? Does Congress basically do what they've done a lot? Pass some short term, you know, raise the debt ceiling, fund the government, you know, provide short term funding to Houston uh, to like, say, December. Is that like a, a logical sort of way they get this done quickly and then you know take the can down the road per se, so to I expect the September 5th to December 31st period to look a lot like 2011 okay right where we saw continuing resolution after continuing revolution you just sort of kick the can down the road and then you cut a deal at the last possible moment when a lot of people aren't paying attention in hopes that your political base doesn't eat you alive in the new year hmm. And just to bring this back to to what it means for the people of Houston and the people of of the Gulf Coast, um, if you do get sort of this kicking the can down the road, uh, I mean, is there a sense of of, of what they can expect? I mean, thinking about national flood insurance program and just sort of some of the rebuilding efforts, does this kind of delay that or? You know, the one big difference between Houston and New Orleans? What's that? Houston's got a much bigger voice and a much bigger boot to put in people's backsides. Mm-hmm. The petrochemical yeah. industry, mm-hmm. the oil and energy industry, the tech industry, Houston, the Texas political establishment is going to demand that things are going to get done. That's probably the best thing we have going for us right now mm-hmm. is wow. they're going to have to be listened to. Unfortunately, New Orleans, Louisiana at that point, and God bless them all. 
They just didn't have it. Yeah. Uh, sobering stuff, Joe. Sobering stuff. Joseph Rusuelos is chief economist at RSM. I want to thank you for coming in. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Everyone, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.